Podcast. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westcott demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley, and today we are discussing a long-anticipated film from 2023, The Last Unicorn. Negative. What are you talking about? (laughs) So, at the end, they heal the sister. No, they don't heal Kate. They bring her back from the dead. And so I have to assume that they were in the writer's room and they were like, so what happens at the end? Well, they heal her. And they're like, wait, heal her how? And they're like, with his blood. And they're like, okay, so she's a vampire. What? No. Well, you just said they gave her Dracula's blood, right? She came back to life? Yeah. Isn't that a vampire? No, vampires have healing blood, I thought. Dude, that's unicorns. (sighs) Okay. Dude, it's lunchtime. What do you want from Tender Greens? That was a really long explanation. Yeah. (laughs) Well, in this, you know, we know that over time, the Dracula lore and mythology can be used, can be reshaped and used for all kinds of purposes. So in this version, his blood has healing powers. Yep. I think this is like a dream of a vampire movie. It's like millennials or Gen Zers or whatever, or Zoomers sitting around. They'll be like, what do vampires do? The We get silver bullets, right? And the, all the gangsters can have, no, that's werewolves, dude. Well, what is it? And they just kind of mix stuff up. <laughs> There's one moment in the movie where they someone busts out an arsenal. And it was like all the super, oh, oh, oh Renfield's trying to assemble their arsenal. And he's asking for like... All the things. All the things. Holy water, silver bullets. He's like 90 years old. He knows all the stuff. How is he only 90? The timeline didn't track for me. Yeah, I don't know. He was just a familiar that they picked up at one point. That said, that was Nicolas Cage, I'm sure, to his utter delight in the 31 Dracula film. The Bela Lugosi film. Oh, absolutely. It was both of them. What I'm saying is that was from that film. So maybe it was like we're near, we're close to 1931, the 100 years. So wait, that tracks. So, okay, so it wasn't Dracula taking place in Dracula times, like the 1880s or 90s for Bram Stoker. For 90 years, he's been the familiar sense Bela Lugosi. And that was their archival footage. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) The the Bela Lugosi Dracula footage was treated as their real-life archival. I'm telling you, it's a Google search of a movie. When did Dracula happen? 1931. Okay, that's he's 90. (laughs) Except that, okay, fine. So they made their way from Transylvania to, where are they? New Orleans? Come on. This is a modern movie. Yeah, they're in New Orleans. I mean, well, they moved to New Orleans after the attack that they both nearly died in. But no, dude, Transylvania is an archaic term. It's now modern day Romania. Sure. But you can, I mean, you can say that it was the Soviet Union when you're talking about 1980s. So that's what I'm saying. Transylvania. (laughs) So would you consider yourself a Dracula scholar? Not quite a scholar. I'm a Dracula enthusiast, I suppose. But that that implies, because we know there's crazy Dracula fandom out there. It's an interesting thing that I've explored deeper than some fictional characters. Probably second only to Sherlock Holmes for the period. 
Oh, so you're more of a Holmes scholar than you are a Dracula scholar or enthusiast? There's more Holmes media, and I've ingested more of it and read the complete stories, you know, probably three times over. Is that a verified thing that there's more Holmes than there is Dracula? I feel like there is some statistic on this. It's speculation, but Dracula, not a long book. And that we've talked about this before. How much does Dracula itself actually contribute to the vampire legend, the modern vampire legend, and thus being synonymous with Dracula, that character? Like this is all the, you know, it's just bare bones, Dracula. Get it? Bare bones? That doesn't quite track, but it's it's somewhere in the graveyard. Mm, what do you think is the biggest contributor to the Dracula legend? Probably Bela Lugosi. Yes, and and modern film adaptations simply bearing the name. I mean, these days for us, maybe 1992 is a long way off for Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that was pretty influential for me and at least the one that wrestles the most for authenticity, for canon's sake, with the original work. Yeah, this is not like a vampire movie. This is Dracula. I mean, albeit focused on Renfield. No, it's called Renfield, and he's definitely the Marvel superhero of this movie. That said, ultimately, I was checked out enough that at the end, he, you know, it's it's about Renfield for sure. And he's talking with the support group again. And I was like, do, 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 do. And he was like, thanks for bringing us back. And I was like, oh, right, they died. Like, I didn't care. And, and they were slaughtered. <laughs> oh, and, come and on. And it was still magical vampire blood. Or whatever, and I was like, "Yeah, that's the, the tracks fine." They're, but it, it didn't occur to me that, like, wait, how's he doing that? They're dead. Oh, I didn't make that connection because I simply didn't care. What do you mean you didn't care? They all got murdered. They were innocent, and they all got murdered. Yeah, like in spectacular, bloody fashion, and you didn't track that. So they are they given extended life, or do they simply resume and all their clothes are clean again? Do they simply resume their mortal life for a natural lifespan? They simply resume their... Why are you so hung up on Because this? I'm saying after their traumatic murder, which apparently they remember, then they would have fodder for support grouping each other for all time. Like mm -hmm. that's lots of... They can be in therapy forever. Endless stuff to talk about. Totally. And bonded by trauma. Exactly. In a very relatable way. So did you laugh at all in Renfield? Nope. Come on. I got to say the horror element fell pretty flat for me. I was at times delighted with, I think, the inarguable best part of this movie consistently throughout. Which was? Any time that Nicolas Cage was on screen, I was just happy. Oh, I was so happy. And I got a big barky laugh out when he did his <laughs> his signature Nicolas Cage tick oh, yeah. as Dracula. He was like, ooh, I remember that. <laughs> Dude, he is kooky, mysterious, and spooky. He is... The perfect Dracula for <laughs> Renfield. You know, I have to say, though, Brian bark laughed throughout. Brian was roaring. Really? Oh, my God. He loved this movie. Mm. Well, I mean, he thought it was really funny. If there was if there was ever a moment that I checked out, I was immediately brought back within 30 seconds by a barky Brian laugh. Wait a minute. I thought, Brian, the, the reason that you couldn't see this in theaters was because Brian was resistant to it. Yeah, no, it's just hard to get out to the theaters in general. And it's even harder knowing that Renfield and movies like it are going to be available on streaming relatively quickly. Maybe I was just feeling the disdain and the discomfort emanating from Kelly Ray next to me. <gasps> She called it the worst vampire movie since From Dust Till Dawn. What? Ke Kelly Ray, we've talked about, she has a hard time with horror movies, and she makes an exception. So I exploit this loophole that she allows for vampire and werewolf movies. They're okay somehow. It was it was hard for her to watch, and the, the general dumbness of it. And I think to confuse dumbness, general dumbness. With, with funny, 
like not dumb, but that was a stupid kill and that was unnecessary and unrealistic or whatever. Wait a second. Wait a second. I don't. I get that we're talking about a vampire movie and a vampire comedy at that. What can we expect? But some of the kills were dumb, like beating the dude with his arms. I didn't feel like there was anything tonally incongruent about this film. No, you felt that it was exactly what you wanted it to be and expected it to be from the tone that it set? Well, I didn't really know what to expect and I, I didn't particularly want or need anything from it, but. <laughs> As it unfolded, it was very consistent. And listen, I'm not a big, like, The Boys fan. I'm not into, like, I can tolerate the John Wicks of the world. But I'm not not like, yeah, whatever fanboys do. What do fanboys do? What do they sound like? I don't know. Apparently they they roar like Vikings. (laughs) But I could really appreciate this film for, for its consistency, tonal consistency. Is Brian listening to this record? Not as we speak. (laughs) He may or may not listen to the final product. Why? So the movie won you over, not Brian. Well, you know what? I mean, maybe this is a this is a test case for how the how our audience or our co-viewing companions influence us. Because it sounds like you couldn't like this film under the the icy gaze of Kelly Ray. I'll I'll see what. Let me see what I can give you. I'll throw you a bone or whatever. I will say at least that this is my favorite time of Nicolas Cage playing a vampire. Third time's a charm. And the other two were... Vampire's Kiss. And... And the fact that he's actually a vampire, apparently. <laughs> so I guess it's not his third time. Maybe it's maybe maybe it's a continuation of the first time where he's actually a vampire. Have you seen this? The internet caught up to him. Oh, right. Yeah. That's <laughs> so weird. I'm looking at this picture, this side-by-side comparison of Nicolas Cage and this old-ass dude. And they're <laughs> He's identical. not old. He's undead. And the picture is old. Uh... It's got to be a 140-year-old picture. Uh, so I felt the reason that I was able to appreciate some of Nicolas Cage is because it wasn't difficult to compartmentalize. When... Uh, Ted, Teddy made that that agreement with Dracula. Then I was like, what is he doing? Like encroaching in the it's like the modern Dracula. I very much the BBC Dracula. I very much wanted it to stay in Dracula times. And then when it modernizes, I'm like, it, it feels weird. It seems weird. But when Ted goes to Dracula's lair or whatever, then it becomes a different thing. But just watching him, because he doesn't really leave unless he goes to murder the support group. And him in his little in his little lair is like the best thing ever. Nicholas Cage is largely apart from most of the other people in this movie. Because he's, well, most of the time he's convalescing from getting burned up. Yeah, and that part was definitely lame. It was like, Nicholas Cage was like, I don't want that stuff on my skin. And they were like, okay. So they put like a layer down on top of his skin and then the makeup, the prosthetics on top of that. So he looked huge and bloated like he'd just been pulled out of a river. Hmm. Are you talking about the Bernie or are you talking about when he was healing and he was kind of leathery? No, he got better and then it was easier, I think, because it was a full suit. But when he was burned, it looked pretty silly. Yeah, I guess so. And the when he was leathery and healing, he also looked kind of flappy, like there were flaps of healing skin that were kind of, <laughs> for some reason, detached. It was a little distracting because he's so buried, even as a like a ninety percent Dracula. Buried. That I wanted more Nicolas Cage. He never was at a hundred percent strength, though, right? Like I was expecting him to like Benjamin Button de age. And become like gorgeous and like Nikki from Unbearable Weight. Okay, but okay, but Nikki was still. I mean, he wasn't like Con Air level Nicolas Cage. I mean, he was he was de aged Nicolas Cage. That that rhymes in a weird way. But he wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't his finest moment. 
It wasn't. Yeah, but I wanted him to emerge at the end, like in his, like after he consumed the bus full of cheerleaders or like the sisterhood of nuns. Like I wanted him to emerge as like the apotheosis of Dracula, Nicolas Cage Dracula and all of his beauty, but he never did. Note to self, Google apotheosis. So there's a certain kind of movie that is supposed to be funny, but I never find it funny. And so Ted, you know that Ted's name is Tedward? <laughs> yes. That's just completely unnecessary. And there were a lot of completely unnecessary things. And That's, it's hilarious. Uh, is it hilarious? Tedward is, it's hilarious because it's perfectly appropriate for his douchebag character. But he wasn't born a douchebag character. His mom named him Tedward, being like, this will make him a douchebag. Yeah, but did you see his mom? His mom has real gravitas. I really wanted her to fight Dracula at the end over her son's soul. Oh, like in the big, in like the final boss battle? Yeah. Shore Agdashlu. I say, I would like to say is how you pronounce it. She's the, she's a, <laughs> she's the voice of Gozer in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Anyway, I thought she had real gravitas. A, a woman named Bella Francesca would name her son Tedward. It's reasonable. That tracks, but it's only reasonable in that universe of ridiculousness. Okay. So in this universe of ridiculousness, we're talking about the literal character of Renfield, who was once a doctor and managed the insane asylum or the sanatorium, I guess, as they called it back then, that was near the real estate property that Dracula wanted to purchase. Is that right? Yes. I think he was, he might have been even been a broker, depending on your version of the story. But then he becomes enthralled with Dracula and then he becomes his familiar and he eats bugs because the undead dine on the living. Yes. Well, in this one, he becomes a near vampire Popeye who eats bugs like spinach and gains superhero powers. Yes. So that was the Renfield movie's Big Liberty, that bugs, <laughs> which he carries around in his little pillbox like super drugs, give him Marvel level superpowers, which is really fun. And then the super drugs. <laughs> And then the super drugs, super familiar, snorted a centipede like super drugs and got his superpower. Well, yeah, because Tedward becomes a familiar and I'm not sure why he has the centipede, but I imagine that would be, you know, an extra level up. And that was fun. It was like, you're like, this is a joyous experience. I, I have to say Ben Schwartz was kind of a delicious baddie and Nicholas Holt carries this movie with sympathy Empathy, relatability. I mean, he plays the reluctant and familiar so well. I don't know. I mean, I have zero complaints about Nicholas Holt's performance. I think that he's much better in this role than he was in the menu. Like, he's not a really, he's, I don't think he's a great bad guy. I think he's much better as this sympathetic, codependent, hostage, familiar, who just wants to live a normal life. He's kind of doofy, though, right? Like, he's not graceful. Like Keanu Reeves, I wouldn't say is graceful, but he's tight and controlled as John Wick because that is his character. Um, Renfield is kind of an action star and he's very precise and he has choreographed fight sequences and he does really well. He feels to me like a gangly, doofy dude. Because on first impression, if you see a headshot of him, you're like, oh, he would make a good vampire or a vampire familiar type. Right. But he's not. He's so gangly and doofy. But I guess he plays it pretty tight in this movie. Like, he fights well, I guess. It wasn't distractingly bad. Any more than I would have thought that Keanu Reeves would be distracting in The Matrix. Because as we know, he's the, maybe the most... He has his own really difficult Dracula past. Keanu Reeves? Oh. <laughs> 
Uh, and one of the most loathed Harker performances in history. Yeah. Nicholas Holt is um, gangly because he's 6'2", and he's bigger than Nicholas Cage. Is he? Isn't Nicholas Cage? I mean, he may have shrunk with age, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're on par. They're, they see eye to eye. Oh, uh, let's just look it up. But anyway, we've talked about Aquafina maybe a couple of times, and I just didn't expect her. And she set, I think, a, a modern comedy tone for this movie. And there were conveniences, like the Lobos showing up at the same time as the cops and the cop being corrupt and stuff. And it felt very action movie, buddy comedy kind of thing with Dracula lurking in the corner, which was weird. And, and to use your word, to me, slightly incongruous. Aquafina specifically? No, I think she was dynamic. A, she was a, a signpost. If Aquafina's here, that means it's a certain kind of movie. And then the movie seemed to follow that lead. Hmm. And so we got the Dracula scary part. And then we got the funny part with the support group and everything. And then we got the action parts. And it was like three weird movies fighting for attention. And it was maybe a love story and maybe a horror movie, kind of, but not really. It was like the stew of vampire goo. And the primary component was had to have been blood, because there was more blood in this than in The Shining. There were buckets and buckets of blood. I would say that the three the three stories that you're referencing are actually just one story of a person in transition. He's transitioning basically from immortality to mortality, or to a immorality to morality. Sure. And what you're seeing is his old life conflicting with his new life and his new desires. If there's any bone to pick with Renfield, it's what after all of these years finally made him turn. He was unable to resist Dracula's summons and orders, but then somehow later he he is. What gives him the strength or what gives him the determination to actually make a change? Bugs. I'm gonna make a change. <laughs> Did you ever see the 85 or whatever Salem's Lot TV movie or the, the TV miniseries? No. Is that a Dracula series? Barlow, the vampire in that one, is uh, more modeled after Nosferatu. And he has these two, his front teeth, his very two front teeth are these long, ridiculous fangs. It looks so dumb. And this one, they couldn't decide. Is it the front one? Because I just watched Salem's Lot. No. Is it the eye teeth? Is it the canines? Just make them all sharp. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brian had a problem with that, too. Is it just dis too distracting? I mean, it's supposed to be scary. It's a little bit distracting when he was very carefully talking around those fangs. Was he? Yeah, it was a distracting like Brad Pitt mouth. <laughs> he was a little mush mouth because he had, unfortunately, major teeth to work around. Yeah, the teeth maybe were a little bit much. And then they definitely grow in. Yeah. Right, when he rips them <laughs> he out. He had 32 pointy fangs. And when it came to throw down, the two extend like antennas. <laughs> See, for the young ones. And they always grow back. The young ones who don't know, antennas used to be huge. And on some cars, they would even extend up to like four feet tall. Now you don't even have that. Oh, yeah. You had bunny ears on TVs. You had an antennas on top of houses. Yeah, you used to have cars. to take a call on your cell phone, on your, on your what, what do they call it? A cordless phone? And have to extend the antenna to the ceiling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Check out Barlow from Salem's Lot. Is that what you just sent me? Yep. I literally thought that was Nosferatu. <laughs> Those are dumb yeah, teeth. Yeah, the bunny teeth, <laughs> the bunny teeth are worth, and that's those are really bad, like extensions or prosthetics or whatever. You can like see the teeth underneath the teeth. <laughs> huh. 
Maybe that's the case. Maybe they just grow down in front like a like a mouth guard, like a helmet. Listen, I didn't the dirty cop subplot, you know, the support group, the warring drug cartels, like all of that was like meh. That's the whole and movie. That's not the whole movie. The whole movie is Renfield's arc from being a slave to his master to a sweater wearing, bright studio dwelling, normal ish person who's in some ways atoning for his past. And Nicholas Holt carries that storyline. Sure. So the initial concept, the draw, this is a modern day Dracula tale where Renfield, the subject of our movie, is in an abusive relationship. Right. A codependent. And that's what you're latching onto. That's the good stuff. The narcissistic, codependent, toxic relationship. Yeah. So that gives me pause because at least in the world of movies, that tagline isn't serious. Like, how does he extricate himself from a potentially dangerous situation? How does he neutralize the threat of his abuser? You know, that's not what that is. If you talk about it, that tagline is inherently comedy, right? I guess in the same way the Fight Club is a comedy, which in ways it is. I mean, the support group stuff is supposed to be funny, right? Renfield's a, a bug slurping super murderer uh, who wants to be a vampire and has for the better part of a century. No wonder he's all all like frustrated and bunged up, man. He's He's been waiting for nearly 100 years to make good on that promise. To make him into a full-fledged vampire? Yeah, that's how, that's longer than a lot of vampires live. What do you mean? Vampires are immortal. Have you ever seen a vampire movie in which the lead vampire survives? Well, I mean, I guess that's kind of the point. <clears throat> but they don't always want to survive. The support group definitely was intended to be comedy. And I just remember that my second laugh in the film, other than the Nicolas Cage tick hoot, was <laughs> when he's like, I, he was, Nicolas Cage was just like savoring his big introduction. He was like, I am, and then he's like, Renfield's boss. <laughs> <laughs> And he gets all pissed and starts floating. Yes. You can't say people didn't laugh in the theater. There were some chuckles for sure, but I'm not sure that they were at the the intended points. I think they were more like that's uncomfortable or that's disgusting kind of titters. But I could be wrong. It has been months. What's the deal with like multi-level apartment courtyards and battle scenes? That was like an extraction level like showdown. Yeah, it happens a lot. I don't know. Maybe it feels familiar, an urban setting that's dynamic, that has stairs and railings and walkways and depth, and you can jump up or down multiple floors at a time. Yeah. Natural light, multiple entrances and exits. Right? I'm surprised they didn't have a grocery store fight. They had multiple bar fights, I feel like. Bar fights, also a part of Americana. Yeah. What else do you want to complain about? Am I complaining necessarily? I wanted a vampire movie and what I got was an action thriller comedy. And I guess I should have, I, I did kind of expect it. I didn't expect this level of unnecessary gore because I think that it's alienating. I think it challenges the comedy fans to be uncomfortable. And I'm not sure in a good way, which leads me to the speculation about what, who Renfield is intended for. Apparently for Brian. But who is like the target? Who are they? They're not hoping to catch the girls who think Nicholas Holt is dreamy. That I don't think they're looking to catch the romantic comedy uh, people. I don't know who who's Renfield for. It's for the hardcore Dracula fans, of which there are legion. Who will accept modern day adaptations and wild spins on the character, which take it so far from canon that it actually contributes and widens the Dracula vampire mythos and mythology to a broad universe-sized thing. Yeah, I guess we're talking about a specific subset because there are a lot of purists out there who would find these liberties to be quite distasteful. 
granted there is this isn't changing the dracula origin story all that stuff happened i do remember him i'm pretty sure he died in the original work but i mean i've read that as a kid and a couple of times as an adult but it's not like i don't have every detail so i'm by no means a purist i need a movie that works and I'd struggled with this one and I, as, as much as I struggled with the BBC one, which really differed wildly, obviously, when they came into the modern era, which I think is a dangerous thing. My problem is it's probably a cheaper thing. Unless you're going to stay in the castle to recreate, you know, 1880s Eastern Europe maybe is a difficult task. But all story appropriate. I mean, this is subverting some of those Dracula expectations, right? He lives basically in a sewer as opposed to a castle. The funds have ostensibly been depleted over time and probably reckless spending. And uh, Nicholas Holt is the reluctant familiar. All of these changes or liberties are, are basically what set the stage for taking this into a modern day setting where Renfield has a potential love interest and where, you know, modern day problems like drug running and opioid epidemics or whatever are front and center in, the, in terms of the world's issues and industries where Dracula could run amok. And it helps because Nicolas Cage isn't the runaway box office star with real clout that he once was. It helps in this modern context to have him achieve one of three dream roles he's dreamed about his entire career. And in fact, the only one he's achieved so far. And the uh, what are the others that he hasn't achieved? He was literally in the suit for Tim Burton's Superman with long hair in the 90s. And that movie got squashed. Aww. And then he wants to play Captain Nemo. Captain Nemo, Superman, and Dracula. And here he is playing Dracula and was easily, for me, the best part of Renfield. A really lovable performance, albeit a little on the nose or expected, from Nicolas Cage. He is a little long in the tooth by now. He's pretty established. Long in the tooth. I don't understand why Nicolas Cage isn't the runaway box office success. His last two films, Renfield and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, were fabulous. And maybe they were a little too specific in terms of their audience. Maybe Fabulous, you said, for this movie. Fabulous. They were both fabulous. Good gravy. It's, well, it's a good thing you own it. Uh, well, I hope so, because I would definitely watch this again. I was even looking forward to when it came out on streaming, but I guess I don't need to wait. So I'll, I'll create a new ratings classification for Renfield and say it's fabulous. And what say you, dear brother? No, definitely. <laughs> okay, I'll give Nicolas Cage a fabulous in the role of Dracula. Renfield, however, is pretty... And Nicholas Holt. No. Wait. For I, I'm giving Holt? Dracula in this movie specifically a fabulous, not Renfield the movie. Which I have to say is pretty forgettable. Like if if I were to watch this again, I'd be like, dun, uh, action, blah, 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 snorting, centipedes, blah, blah, Aquafina, support group. Oh, here's the Dracula scene. And I would watch those. Mm. Even the ones with Tedward, mm. who I will say makes a way better uh, familiar than Renfield. Got to go mm. below the line for the rest of the movie, man. It just didn't do it for me. And I was just, wow. I was like, where is Nicolas Cage? Please give me back Nicolas Cage. They could make an amazing short film of just stringing the Dracula scenes together. And I would be happy. This is a with Nicolas Cage movie. This isn't a Nicolas Cage star. It is for me. You know what made me happiest about Renfield? Pray tell. They set up the, the vampire bubble trap pretty early on. So we knew that that was going to, that was pretty elaborate. So that we, I was pretty sure that was going to come back and ultimately be how they would trap him. And you remember the group of people who tried to take down Dracula in the opening scene? Yeah. The priest and the... Yeah. Did you note who the priest was? Who? William Ragsdale. Wait, who? Charlie Brewster, I presume. Preta Vincent Vampire Killer from Fright Night. 
Wait, no, really? Yep. Our discussion on which is available or whatever movies.com. Oh man, that made me happy. But it wasn't until you just said something with the the accent that I remembered that part. Did you, last question, did you prefer the emo Renfield or like the sweater wearing modern day Renfield? Uh, the emo, emo, Renfield. In, emo Renfield. Is it within this movie? Or in Dracula's. Oh, so hot. In Renfield, he's emo and he's wearing, for some reason, like early 20th century clothing. Wait, did you just say he was so hot? So, oh my God, so hot. So emo hot, like pale, the hair and the thing. Ew. See, you're you're what's wrong with it, man. Francis Ford Coppola wanted to make his serious Dracula movie, and they were like, no, you got to hire someone hot. And he's like, all right, I'll get this Keanu kid. Terrible. And mucked it up for all time. And Nicholas Holt is the Renfield version of that. Well, he's not. He's he's like a young Hugh Grant, like British hot. Ew. Like toothy British, but the hair. And he's got this weird Benedict Cumberbatch thing going on lately, too. <laughs> You notice this? Is it the weird mouth uh, and the slightly upturned the, nose? Kind of, and like the hair, and like the big forehead and the hair. And there you have it. That is our discussion on 2023's Renfield. Iris gives Nicholas Holt a hot, and I give Dracula, as played by Nicholas Cage, a fabulous. Uh, check out the other reviews that we've referenced in this discussion, including Fright Night. Fright Night. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, we have a whole Nicolas Cage month. Dude, in the right lighting, Nicholas Holt could be a young Nicolas Cage. Yeah, in a Hugh Grant kind of Britishy way. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Check out 200 plus other reviews at orwhenarmovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Yeah.